This is Confessions of a Closet Romantic, a podcast where I talk about my favorite romantic books, TV shows, movies, and why I love them so much without embarrassment or shame. Well, mostly. This is Poppy, and in today's episode, Suspenseful, Compassionate Romance, Matthew Reese in Death Comes to Pemberley, and The Scapegoat. I absolutely adore the movies of Alfred Hitchcock, but I only recently realized that most of them have a romantic trope at the center driving the action. How did I never notice that? Okay, Rear Window, Mismatched Lovers, North by Northwest, Strangers to Lovers with a Dash of Danger and Mystery. The Birds, Untamable Woman Disrupts Orderly Lawyer's Life. The Lady Vanishes, Independent Woman Brushes Off Man Who Falls in Love with Her at First Sight Until She Warms to His Charms. Suspicion, Ugly Duckling Heiress Falls for Dashing Man Who Turns Out to Be a Heel Who Redeems Himself to Prove His Love for Her. Notorious, Man Falls for Bad Girl who turns out to be a good girl hiding her love for him because she's been recruited as a spy. Come for the mystery and suspense. Stay for the romance. There is not a lot sexier than Cary Grant making out with Eva Marie Saint in a tiny train compartment in North by Northwest. You know, I've been thinking... It's not safe for you to roam around Chicago looking for this George Kaplan man you've been telling me about. Because you'll be picked up by the police the moment you show your face. Such a nice face, too. Now, don't you think it'll be a better idea if you stayed in my hotel room while I located him for you, brought him to you? Can't let you get involved. Too dangerous. (laughs) I'm a big girl. Yeah, and in all the right places, too. Yeah, this is ridiculous. You know that, don't you? Yes. I mean, we've hardly met. That's right. How do I know you aren't a murderer? You don't. Maybe you're planning to murder me right here tonight. Shall I? Please do. For me, the romance makes Hitchcock's fairly cynical worldview palatable. The compassionate performances of Matthew Reese in Death Comes to Pemberley and The Scapegoat make the mild suspense of these movies and miniseries so much more satisfying and enjoyable. In Death Comes to Pemberley, this miniseries imagines events a few years after Elizabeth and Darcy of Pride and Prejudice get married. After Pride and Prejudice ended, did you ever wonder how these two would resolve their differences? Oh, I'm pretty sure this is exactly how we pictured it would go. Elizabeth, Colonel Fitzwilliam is returning to his regiment this afternoon. However, he has asked my permission to seek Georgiana's hand on his return. I've told him... It will be her decision, of course. However, we would both be delighted if she were to say yes. 
Forgive me, I'm confused. We, all three of us, know Georgiana's inclination lies elsewhere. Her fondness for young Alveston, I'm aware of it. It's endearing, but no more than a passing fancy, I'm sure. He is from a good family, but we hardly know him, and nor does Georgiana. I don't think he can guarantee the same security that our cousin Security? Can. What of happiness? Elizabeth. Sorry, excuse me. I'm so sorry. Elizabeth. Georgiana loves Alvis. She's young. No younger than I was when I met you. Are you implying Colonel Fitzwilliam is incapable of making her happy? I think that's true. We know him. He is a kind, decent and honourable... Arrogant, woman. secretive man. Tell me, Darcy, is it the stability of his fortune that attracts you most? Well, there is no shame in that. My sister's well-being and safety are of paramount importance to me now. Love can grow with time. It's not how you chose. You did not defer to duty and rank, and yet you impose those burdens on Georgiana. There's a word for that, I think. Oh, hypocrite. I'm sorry, that's your view of me. We discussed this, Darcy. We agreed. Yes, and things have changed, Elizabeth. Who knows what misfortunes lie ahead? If we're dragged deeper into the scandal, she may never find a husband. Better that than a loveless marriage. Or one made in a wave of sentimental haste. What is that supposed to mean? Exactly what it says. I demand that you retract your consent. I will do nothing of the kind. I will thank you to apologize to the Colonel for being so rude. I'll do nothing of the kind. They have a young son and they're about to give a ball at Pemberley. It's as grand a life as we imagined for the two of them running that massive estate. But then Wickham, played by my dreamboat Matthew Good, he is at his dashing but slimy best. And Lydia work their usual negative energy and throw plans into chaos. On their way to quote-unquote surprise the Darcys by inviting themselves to the ball. Notice they weren't invited. Someone gets fatally wounded in Pemberley Woods, and a poor local magistrate tries to get to the bottom of what went on in the carriage on its way to the house. I'm so cross. Lydia's always looked just like I did as a girl. Did Captain Denny ever declare himself? Of course not. Do you ever receive any indications of interest from him? Uh, looks, size? No. He always treated me with the greatest indifference and avoided me at every possible chance. There you have it. It's a sign, surely, of his inner torment. Men know so little of their own sex. The tone of this miniseries is very witty and often funny, but also really dramatic. It's a murder mystery, a detective story, and a romance. All the strands are a whodunit, or why did they do it, or what will happen to it. The crime, the relationships. We get to live in Pemberley for a while, and we often see scenes and characters shot through the reflections of Pemberley's old prism-edged windows. It's such a cool effect. While we're getting to know Elizabeth and Darcy as a couple, which is also a bit of a mystery at this point, we're getting to know the characters at play in the story who may or may not be involved in this tragic death. The ball gets canceled, an investigation begins, stress strains Elizabeth and Darcy's relationship to the point where Elizabeth starts to doubt why Darcy even married her when she came with the bad bargain of that crazy family. 
all of whom are now under Pemberley's roof for the postponed party. In this clip, Elizabeth remembers how Darcy's initial proposal went, but this time her sister Jane is there to comfort her. I have struggled long and hard. I've tried in vain to quieten the feelings I have for you, knowing that such a match would in so many ways be a dereliction of duty to my rank, not to speak of the connection to your family whose status is so decidedly beneath my own. Nevertheless... You come here to tell me you like me against your will, your reason, and even your character. Can you not see the insult in that? regrets his match with me. You're both under great stress. You've been so distant. I keep remembering the things he said the first time he proposed. Oh, our family. His duties. But he changed, Lizzie. You changed him. Our marriage has brought George Wickham back into his life and as a brother too. He knew that before you were wed. He chose you with his eyes wide open. I've always comforted myself with that thought, but don't you see this is different, Jane? Wickham is accused of murder. That grave in the woods today belonged to a man who brought shame and scandal to Pemberley generations ago. The same could happen again, and this time it would be my fault. Lizzie, no. No! It's the shock of the last few days speaking. When two people love each other, as you do, they face the challenges of life together. You know your husband, Lizzie, as I do mine. He could never think about a thought about you if he tried. Elizabeth must have had this power inequity in their relationship in the back of her mind. You can tell Darcy respects her opinion highly, except when they're stressed trying to figure out who is telling the truth and who isn't. They're two intelligent, strong-minded people, so you not only want the mystery to be solved, you want equilibrium back in this couple who can barely stop glancing at each other when they share the same space. Oh, somehow Matthew Reese manages to be arrogant, as we know Darcy to be, but so loving and affectionate to Elizabeth and their son. There is a strong passion between the two of them that just quietly sizzles. One of the best characters we get to reconnect with in this story is Darcy's sister, Georgiana, played by Eleanor Tomlinson. Oh, she was the highlight of Dark miniseries for me, and she is lovely in this role. She's all grown up now, and she falls in love, but in keeping with Jane Austen's stories, her choice is not the ideal choice. Darcy is super protective of her, but so is Elizabeth. Elizabeth is right about Colonel Fitzwilliam, and when Darcy realizes that Georgiana almost married him, there is the most beautiful I'm sorry scene and gorgeous hug and kiss with Elizabeth, who happened to overhear their conversation in the Great Hall. Oh, then there's brief but beautiful makeup sex. Yes, this is the story sequel we've been waiting for. Georgiana, 
Pemberley, every single character with romance at play gets their happy ending in an especially satisfying way. Oh, Matthew Reese. Does anyone else remember him in that television drama, Brothers and Sisters, which also starred Sally Field? He was my favorite sibling in that show. So sensitive and compassionate he plays a similar alter ego in The Scapegoat, which is a miniseries based on the Daphne du Maurier book. It's only slightly creepy and slightly romantic, but ooh, it's so compelling. Matthew Reese plays a school teacher who loses his job and ends up at a pub that night where he keeps catching glances of a man who looks exactly like himself. And he's not looking in a mirror either. This story reminds me of the movie Strangers on a Train by Alfred Hitchcock, where one character proposes to a stranger a crisscross, where one commits one's crime and then the other commits the other's crime. Because with strangers, it would be hard to connect either one to each other's murder. So in The Scapegoat, eventually these two men sit across from each other and remark how incredible it is that they look so alike. And of course, the one is the sweet, compassionate former teacher. The other is a wealthy, entitled, not sweet or compassionate married man from a large, wealthy family who suggests that his life is in such disarray that it might be amusing to have this unemployed teacher take over his life for him. These two characters are like darkness and light. Two people who look the same, but one represents the shadow side and the other like its spiritual lightness. This is a point where I won't say anymore because the way it unspools is the fun of the whole thing. But let me just say coming from a family like mine, a story about a character being a catalyst for positive change in a dysfunctional family or crumbling marriage is really appealing. There's not a ton of romance per se, but it's about family love, the power of compassion, and really seeing family or a partner, and how really seeing someone can transform a relationship. Matthew Reese's character has to step in and improve the dynamics of a family and a marriage not of his own making and figure out how they got there and how to improve all of the relationships. The love he shows for a wife who isn't actually his, 
And her response to who she thinks is her transformed husband is such an amazing part of this story. What happened? I've had such terrible dreams. You're safe. Have I disappointed you again? You've never disappointed me. You're the most extraordinary person I've ever met. And I'll never forget a moment I've spent with you. And whatever happens, I want you to know that I love you. What's the matter? You're shaking. Don't worry about me. Just rest. Rest and get strong. Sleep. Even when Matthew Reese is playing a character with a dark side, I see such emotional intelligence and kindness in his eyes. He is dreamy to me. His portrayal of the teacher in The Scapegoat and Darcy in Death Comes to Pemberley is this close to my ideal man. Let's hear it for Matthew Reese. I think he may be my new favorite Darcy, and that is saying something. I'm in the phone confessional this week about one of my favorite romantic scenes in almost any movie, which takes place in Alfred Hitchcock's Notorious between Cary Grant and Ingrid Bergman. If you people of romance have seen this film, I think you know which scene I'm going to be talking about. So Ingrid Bergman is a a double agent and she is infiltrating a Nazi spy ring to the point where she has married a Nazi to be able to deliver some important information about their activities. And once she does that, they catch on to her and she figures out that they're slowly trying to poison her and kill her. Cary Grant is her outside contact and he realizes she's getting sicker and sicker And he eventually storms the house where she's living to find her sick in bed and to kneel at her bedside and lay some beautiful butterfly kisses on her. Now, he has played it cool and hard to get. This is one of those kind of tropes where he knows she's in love with him, but he's playing hard to get. He's trying to act like she's just the bad girl and no good, but he's secretly in love with her. So when he arrives at her bedside, oh, that soft focus, he kisses her. And in between, he's saying, darling, can you sit up, darling? He puts a coat over her shoulders and he's just revealing. And she in her haze knows finally he did love me this whole time. And he's kissing her and darling, can you stand? Can you stand? Okay, we are going to walk down the stairs. We're going to walk right out the front door of this Nazi's house. And let's see if, let him try to stop us. And it's just the power of the love he expresses to her in this most crucial moment. He is not going to let her down. She is not alone. She is safe. You know how I love that trope. You're safe with me. And they parade with her wobbly walking down the stairs 
and out the front door to safety. It is one of the best trope resolutions around. Check it out. Notorious by Alfred Hitchcock. I'd love to feature your confession on the podcast. Tell me about your favorite romantic movie, TV show, book, and why you love it so much. Just record a voice memo on your phone, click share, and email to confessionsofaclosetromantic at gmail.com. Don't forget to let me know if you want your confession to be private or shared. I can't wait to hear about your obsession. Any sound effects you hear are courtesy of the good people at freesound.org under a Creative Commons license. Find show notes with links to what I've been babbling about at confessionsofaclosetromantic.com. It was so nice to have your company. Until next time, wishing you shame-free romance.